Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, February 20th, 2018. You ever start a program and feel like you weren't quite ready? <laughs> or is that just me? Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there's no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by Christians is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, like not even close, and it's getting worse. I mean, people aren't even really trying anymore. So, ah, yeah, I think you get the idea. So let's talk about what we're going to do on this episode of Fighting for the Faith. You'll, re- you'll note that uh, I was out of the studio yesterday in observance of the President's Day holiday, and uh, I wish I could say I had a lot of time, downtime, enjoyed the day off. It wasn't quite like that. I had to do other things. But uh, what we're going to be doing today, we are going to begin by uh, checking in with the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, a fellow who we've begun to keep an eye on, uh, the the fellow who claims to be a prophet, Charlie Shomp. He works closely with Todd Bentley and others like that. And he uh, recently claimed uh, that he received a, um, a, a prophecy for the n- Northwest. The, the Northwest, I guess that's the Seattle area, I guess. So there's a Northwest prophecy that we're going to check in with him. Then we are going to do a money-grubbing televangelist update as we check in with Larry and Tiz Huck. Yeah, it's time for some of the Jewish feast days. We got Purim right now. We got Passover coming in like a month and a half. And, uh, And then Pentecost 50 days after that. And so you know what that means, right? Yeah, it's time for the Moedim, you know, those 
regularly scheduled appointments that you apparently have with God, but the trick is you're not supposed to show up empty empty handed. So you gotta remember you gotta show up with, you know, money and stuff. And so we'll uh, note uh, Larry Huck's manipulation techniques, and boy, they are quite amazing at their uh, skill level. He's quite the master manipulator. And uh, then we are going to be uh, heading over to uh, Patricia King's you know, Everlasting Love program as we listen to Robert Henderson talk about unlocking destiny, unlocking destiny. And then if we have time, we're going to head to Saddleback, and we're going to note that Rick Warren does not do a lot of preaching anymore at Saddleback Church. So there, uh, we're going to listen to a part of a message called Discover Your Life Trajectory of Promise and Purpose, and it was delivered by the, one of the youth ministers there at Saddleback, Steve Adams. We'll, like I get, it, it has to do with time. If we have time, we'll get to it. If not, I'll hang on to it uh, for later in the week. And uh, then in hour number two, we're heading to Toronto as we listen to Carol Arnott give a sermon about soaking in God's presence. And I am not joking. She has a prop. It's Mr. Sponge. And uh, it's so bizarre what she does with Mr. Sponge that that actually will make it into this week's dumpster fire later in the week. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. Uh, We've got a lot of ground that we need to cover. And since we're going to begin with kind of a really strange prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update, uh, let's do this. So I was having this wedding and and we we well we didn't have we shabba shabba shanda yeah 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 shabba oh shabba shabba wow shabba shanda. All right, so we're heading over to the YouTube channel of Charlie Shomp and um, see if you can make heads or tails of this Northwest Oil Prophecy. That's what it's called. It's called the Northwest Oil Prophecy. I'm not exactly sure what any of that means, but this guy is kind of an up-and-comer, and and I hate to say it, but the best way I can describe him, he is an obvious charlatan. He is an obvious huckster. This guy is as phony as a three-and-a-half-dollar bill. It's really kind of that, that obvious just how ridiculous this fellow is, but unfortunately, within the charismatic circles, they never test prophecies. They'll sit there and claim, oh, you're just a cessationist. We are continuationists because we believe the Bible te- teaches continuationism. Therefore, Charlie Shump, you see, if you're a continuationist, Scripture says to test prophecies. And uh, I don't know how to test this one because it just doesn't make any sense. But see if you can make heads or tails of it. Here we go. The eyes and the wings. I see the eyes of the Lord shifting over the northwest. I, I see the eyes of the Lord shifting. So the eyes of the Lord are shifting over the northwest. Wow. Yeah. 
what are we going to do with that? You know, over the northwest, I see the eyes of the Lord shifting over the northwest. I, I, I see, I see oil. I see oil springing up from the ground. I see oil, oil springing up from the ground because the eyes of the Lord shifted over the northwest. I don't know what it means, but wow, springing up. I see oil being tapped. Oil is being tapped, okay. Northwest, I see the oil being tapped. I see un- un- unknown resources shooting out of the ground. I see- uh, no, we don't know what they are, but they're, they're firing right out of the ground like a cannon. Unknown resources coming out, coming out, coming out of the northwest. I see the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil, the oil as a sign of the gladness to break the spell, depression, the oil of the Lord coming to the northwest, the oil, the oil. Apparently when you shout, that makes it a true prophecy. You know, the louder the volume goes up, you know. Spring it up, spring it up, spring it up, spring it up, unreserved, unknown resources, unreserved, unknown resources, they're springing up, yeah, yeah, how how does this help anybody? In resources, spring up, spring up, spring up, spring up. Spring up, oh, resources within my soul. I'm seeing it right now in the realm of the spirit oil springing up, springing up, springing up, springing up. Untapped resources. Reserved, untapped resources, untapped resources coming out, coming out of the Northwest. Yeah, they're untapped, man. We don't, they're unknown and they are untapped, but they're springing up, you know, in the spirit thingy. Right. Yeah. Woo. Unknown resources being tapped. What is the meaning of this mystery of prophecy that is before us folks this guy is just he he's he knows how to play the game really well so they've got the praise band playing weird sappy music in the background he's shouting at prophetic levels and saying nonsensical irrational things it's got to be true i see oil being being springing up from the northwest I see oil springing up from the northwest. I see oil, oil being being shipped, being sent out from the northwest. I see oil being sent out from the northwest. I see oil being shipped out to bless the nations. I see, I see oil, I see oil, I see oil springing up. I see oil, I see. He sure is taking a long time to say nothing. Oil coming out of the ground. I see oil coming out of the northwest. I see oil coming out that will bless the nations. I see oil that will bless the United States. I see oil that will bless the nations of the earth. I see oil, untapped, untapped oil coming out of the northwest. I see it coming out of the northwest as a sign of the gladness that destroys depression. I see... (laughs) So this oil is a sign, although it's in the spirit realm... Is a sign that destroys depression. <sighs> this whole thing is depressing. Okay. Yeah, like I said, this is one of those guys. I mean, he is an obvious huckster. Yeah, King and the Duke from uh, you know the book Huckleberry Finn. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. All right, moving along. Time for a money grubbing televangelist update. 
Don't want no loving. Don't want no kissing. Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money. Give me that almighty dollar for that lettuce, hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats. Let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. Elder Nero, wanna be a millionaire. Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition. That's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits. I'm a demon in addition. Give me shekels, give me pesos. Let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. money, money. money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of oot and whistle for wearing it green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. And there's some I can and beagle. Want to live in regal splendor with that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. All right. So uh, we're heading over to the studio of uh, Larry and Tiz Huck. And, uh, well, the Feast of Purim is upon us. P- Feast of Purim, by the way. Is uh, really the story of the of Esther found in Scripture, and it's the celebration of God's deliverance of the people of Israel while they were in captivity in Babylon. Although God is never named in the Book of Esther, fascinating stuff there. But uh, well, what Larry and Tiz Huck think it's about is uh, well <clears throat> a payday for them. That's the best way I can describe it. But uh, here they are to explain the setup for their teaching on Purim. Hi, everybody. We're Larry and Tiz Huck, and welcome to today's broadcast. Now, listen to me. We're going to talk to you. Now, hear what I'm about to say with your spirit. We're going to talk... With my spirit. So I'm supposed to listen with my spirit. What does that mean exactly? About Purim. Purim is the holiday in the Bible where God takes your impossible situation. Yes. And- uh, no, Purim is the story in the Bible about how God delivered Israel while they were in Babylonian captivity from Haman, who tried to have the Jews all wiped out. Uh-huh. Turns it upside down. This is a time of great miracles. Mm. Your world Amen. is about to change. My world's about to change. It's a time of great miracles, you know, because Purim, <laughs> you know, sounds, you know, spiritual and biblical and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I got a problem here, and that is is that uh, I'm not seeing what he's saying squaring with what God's word actually says. I feel like well, the best way I can put it is I feel like I'm watching an infomercial that – Somehow what's going on here is them trying to make merchandise of me. Like they want me to write them a check or something. I feel like I'm being sold something. I do. But uh, let's continue. Time We're getting ready to do a, uh, the, the television teachings. I get real excited because yeah. it's, it's the truth that we understand. Yeah. Maybe you get really excited because you get more money for your, to, you know, to fuel up your private jet. The truth that we we possess Amen. that sets us free, yeah. and and a lot of people maybe don't even understand the celebration of Purim, yeah. and that's where we're at right now. We're getting ready to go in the time of Purim, and we're getting ready to go in the time of Purim. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, notice uh, Tiz Huck. Her job is to help really make things even more. You know, build anticipation so those people at the end of it will really be excited to write a check. 
Purim is one of God's Moedims, tis yes. one of God's appointed times. Mm. This is now. Let me translate that for you in uh, Larry Huck's universe. Moedim are like set scheduled appointments that you apparently have with God, and you need to show up at those appointments in order to receive blessings. That's the whole point of the appointment, you know. And uh, it's a very twisted uh, use, if you would, of the new uh, old covenant uh, feast days of Passover, Purim, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Booths, and things like that. Time on God's calendar, and we'll explain it to you, where he takes your impossible situation yes. and turns it yes. upside down. Amen. But besides that... Yeah, yeah, it takes your impossible situation, turns it upside down. No biblical text promises you that at Purim. And we teach on Purim every year at yeah. this time. But besides that, listen to me. This is a time where those miracles of turning whatever Haman, whatever the mm. devil is trying to do to you. Yeah, whatever your Haman is doing to you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and turns it upside down. Yeah. This is a time this year of incredible miracles. Amen. And I want it. And we're seeing. Yeah, they're, they're not just ordinary miracles. They're going to be incredible miracles. This Purim. You know Why? Because Larry Huck said so. That right now in our own church. Yes. We're seeing people who have been given horrible reports Amen. by miraculous intervention of Amen. God, those things being turned up. You see, it's happening at his church. I mean, why isn't it happening at yours? Oh, probably because your pastor is so behind the times. He He just doesn't understand the Hebrew roots the way... Larry Huck does. And if your pastor understood Purim properly, you'd be having miracles and stuff happening, you know, double miracles and double Purim thingies happening at your church. Yeah, you're going to note one of the effects of this type of false teaching is that it creates dissatisfaction in the hearts and minds of people attending churches where the pastor is faithfully preaching and teaching and exegeting God's word. And so the idea then is is that you listen to somebody like Larry Huck and you sit there and you go, man, this isn't happening at my church. I've got to get a better church. I mean, we need an upgrade. You know, my pastor, he's so boring and we never have super perine double miracle thingies happening. And so, uh, and this is this is just the deceit of the devil. Because what Larry Huck is teaching, not biblical. It, it, he's making promises for God that God is not obligated to keep. And uh, he's even making up stuff regarding the so-called miracles and things that are happening at his church. Yeah, this is all designed to make a buck. That's what Larry Huck is all about. Yes. Side down. So not only is this Purim. Yeah. But this is, I'm telling you this prophetically, this oh. is double Purim. Yes. Double, yeah, double, double Purim thingy, yeah. This is, this is I, I'm telling you, it's a time of incredible yes, miracles and in ancient... Just because he said so. You know what we always teach, there's no word for coincidence. If you're watching yep. today, I don't care what the situation mm. is, God has ordained you 
to watch this program. This is even more manipulation. You see, the reason why you're watching right now is because God's ordained this, man. Be a blessing to Israel, and he is going to, in an incredible way, turn their stories upside down. You know, Larry, there's so much exciting things to talk about. Oh, I love this. I love this. I know. But, you know, come back to the... the original message here talk tell the people about esther because yeah you know like read a biblical text or something and show us where these promises are actually given in scripture yeah he, he he's not doing that that's what this whole whole thing hinges on well parim parim is the story of esther esther and i know most of you know this but just to, to for those of you that don't esther is the only book in the bible and yes. i want you to hear this it's the only book in the Bible that never mentions the name of God. Wow. Esther is the story where Haman, yeah. which is the beginning of anti-Semitism, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish Ooh. people. Haman has it written by the king, the mm. decree that all the Jews would be wiped out. Mm. Now, in, in, in rabbinical teaching... The story of Esther is the hidden hand of God yeah. or the hidden face of God. Now, now think about this. Esther is the only book in the entire Bible that doesn't mention the name of God, doesn't hint at the mm. name of God. And the reason is it's a story for us, yes. for all of us. Yes. Well, that kind of goes without saying. If it's in the Bible, it definitely is a story for us. But the question is... For us, in what sense? And so, you know, we're going to note that within the Old Testament, over and again, we see different types and shadows showing up. And the idea of suffering persecution in Babylon, mm -hmm, this is a major theme of Scripture. And we see it playing out in the book of Esther, which is a historical narrative. And although God's name is not mentioned uh, and God is not invoked, it is still a, a great descriptor of what God does in the midst of the persecution of his people in delivering them miraculously so without ever you know, showing up visibly so that people can know that it was him. That's kind of the idea. But uh, And yet God is the one who gets the glory. God is the one who gets the praise. And so the idea then, as when you look at that Babylonian captivity motif carried then over into the New Testament, it does show up. It is prominent. It is prominently featured in the, uh, in the book of Revelation. And so the idea then is, is that we then call on the Lord in the midst of our persecutions, our suffering, our tribulation, as we are in captivity in Babylon, and you have to put Babylon in air quotes here, uh, you know, this is how typology works, and eventually we will be released from captivity and exile in Babylon and be able to go to Jerusalem. In the Jerusalem that we're heading to is the new Jerusalem, come down from heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem. Read the back of the book of Revelation. So there's some really important motifs here and major themes of Scripture that the book of Esther really keys in on. But just because the Feast of Purim is celebrated by uh, people in Judaism at this time of year does not mean that, oh, well, see, that means that God right now is going to double bless and double Purim you and nonsense like this. 
yeah, yeah. It's he's not actually engaging in true substantive good exegesis that ultimately points us to Christ and to continue to rely and trust in him even in the midst of our persecutions and sufferings. If you can't feel God, Mm. if you can't see how it could happen, if you can't hear God, what are you saying? It doesn't matter. Behind the scenes, and this is the story of Esther, behind the scenes, Mm. God is miraculously working. When everything looks bad, when everything looks negative, when everything looks impossible... God, this is this. God mm. does this every day. Yeah. But this is a Moedim. Yes. This is an appointed time. time. What are you facing? What mm. Haman has? I feel like the Haman I'm facing at the moment. I'm looking on my computer screen. It's his name is Larry Huck. <laughs> is that how that works? Yeah. No, I think that's a twisting of scripture too. But. Uh. A decree. Maybe it's a decree against your finances, against your marriage, against yeah. your a decree against my finances and my marriage. Oh, I th- feel like I've lived my entire adult life with a decree against my finances, children, against yeah. your grandchildren, against your health finances. or your body, whatever yes. it is. Amen. What decree has Haman mm. made? Where God it, it, and, and she continues to continue to make the yummy sound. You can't feel God, you can't see God, right. you can't hear from God, but I'm I'm decreeing to yeah. you. Oh, he's decreeing. Wow, we're saved. Because God has ordained yes. you to be watching Amen. this program. <laughs> yeah, no. It's going to turn your story Amen. upside down. Yeah, just because I watched this program, God ordained that manipulation. Straight up manipulation. What's he after, by the way? Answer money. You'll see that in a minute. And we'll we'll get into one of our one of the things we're giving away because I can't teach all this yeah. is the teaching on the Purim, where the hidden hand of God, oh. the hidden face of God. But one thing that that we want you to understand, and Tiz and I teach this all the time. Whenever God is getting ready to bless you, yeah, yeah. See, He's getting ready to bless you right now during Purim. He first. Gives you a chance yep, to be a blessing. To be yep. a blessing. Yep. Now what? Right. Yeah. See, I told you this was all about money. See, God wants to bless you, but you know, hey, if you want to get a blessing from God, you've got to first meet the requirements of God's blessing. You have to first be a blessing before God can bless. Uh huh. Which text teaches that? Let me fast forward a little bit so you can actually hear for yourself really what He's fishing for. Just like God used Esther for such a time as this to turn your story upside down. And we're going to tell you maybe when we come back from the break in just in a couple minutes, we have had babies. Yes. That horrible situation yeah. and a nurse runs in and says don't do the operation we just reread the report i'm not ta- i'm, I'm talking yeah they see they got all kinds of miracles undocumented unsubstantiated unverified going on over there at larry huck ministries and- <laughs> they had babies whole lots of them lots and lots of babies who were supposed to go in for surgery and they didn't have to have the surgeries now because you know double perim Free this week yeah of that exact Amen. thing happened. One of our ladies full of tumors oh, in her tumors. stomach. Lots and lots of tumors. There was tumors all up in there. And and God turned the story upside down. Finances, whatever it is. Yep. But remember this. Whenever God is getting ready to bless yes. you, 
He first gives you a chance to be a blessing. When you sow an offering of any size, we want to say thank you. By so it's all about you sowing an offering into Larry Huck's ministry. Sending you Pastor Larry's audio series, Purim. For such a time as this, the revelation of this extraordinary biblical holiday will release a dramatic flow of God's anointing. Deli- right, just send in your seed offering and they'll send you the Purim study that uh, Larry Huck, you know, Todd, and it's going to release a flow of blessings and stuff. You see, if you want a blessing from God, you got to first be a blessing. And the person you need to bless right now is Larry Huck. ...and victory into your life. In addition, you'll also receive this splendid lapel pin, proudly displaying your support of the bond between the United States and Israel. Wow, yeah, they'll even send you a lapel pin, yeah. Yet, so uh, that's literally uh, the anatomy of a de- of deceit, if you would. Over and again, uh, people like Larry Huck and others, you know, they are making merchandise of people, basically making promises from God that he's not made. But these promises are always uh, contingent. And the contingency is you've got to send them some money you got to send in a seed offering you want you want a blessing from god whoa 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 yeah well you first gotta be a blessing don't you know and the way you uh you be a blessing is by sending in uh your money to bless larry huck and then when god is is convinced that you've blessed larry huck enough then he's going to release a flow of blessing your way and uh yeah no biblical text teaches this. In fact, Scripture explicitly warns us of those who would make merchandise of us, twist God's word, and teach for shameful gain the things they ought not to teach. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Patricia King and Robert Henderson, also uh, Steve Adams from uh, Saddleback. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. Jesus did not die for your 401k. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. The management of Marty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to again apologize. Normally, we try to do parody here at Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, the church continues to just parody itself. Case in point, Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed shofar CD. This is a real commercial. 
When Rabbi Michael Zeitler blows the shofar, miracles take place. He wants to see God break every stronghold of the enemy in your life, healing you emotionally, physically, even in your relationships, bringing salvation to your entire household. Call now and receive both Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed audio CD, Sound of the Shofar, plus his brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, for a donation of $25. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9081. Listen to this anointed audio CD. Allow God's glory to fill the room as Rabbi Zeitler shares from the scriptures and then blows the shofar over every issue you are facing, including mental and emotional disorders, confusion, fear, stress, grief, nightmares, insomnia, pain, sickness and disease, addictions, eating disorders, weight loss, injustices, persecution, finances, marriages, rebellious children, freedom from the occult and demonic oppression, and so much more. Through Rabbi Zeitler's brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, you will learn how you and your family can obtain supernatural protection in the midst of the end time judgments about to be unleashed on planet earth don't miss out on getting both rabbi michael zeitler's anointed audio cd sound of the shofar plus his brand new prophetic book why israel is supernatural for a donation of 25 dollars, shipping and handling is included ask for offer number 9081 call or write today This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society, and it's it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee, and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that God does not need you to send money to a televangelist in order to unlock his blessings. Because you don't. 
just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, actually, there's three yellow buttons. I'm still kind of trying to get that right. <laughs> when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you choose. There's four ranks in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, do so by clicking on the Donate button or you could become a patron by clicking on the Become a Patron button, which will take you over to Patreon. And if you'd like to make a one-time contribution the uh, traditional way, make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along, we're going to be doing a... Um, Update with Patricia King. So uh, let's do this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are, standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the chairman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a bowl a ball, roll a bowl a ball, sing and roll a bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to um, Patricia King's Everlasting Love program as we listen to her interview Robert Henderson and talk about the importance of unlocking destiny. Yeah. Did you know that your destiny is locked up? You know, kind of like... <laughs> Rapunzel or something like that. And you've got to learn how to unlock your destiny so your destiny can let its hair down and escape the uh, <laughs> the prison that it is locked away in. Yeah, I'm just making that up. But this, I mean, what I just said is just as absurd as what we're going to hear. Uh, let's tune in. Here we go. Well, welcome. Hey, I've got a question for you. Have you ever wondered what your purpose was, why you were created? Yeah, I, I was created to warn the church about heretics like you. Where you're destined to end up? Have you ever... Where I'm destined to end up. That would be eternal life, um, new earth, yeah. Um, just read the Bible there. Wondered ...why God created you and what you're here for. Well, that's all about your destiny. Yeah, my destiny, yeah. Because I'm so important, you know, yeah, yeah. I think everyone is interested in knowing, you know, what's God's plan for me? Where, where am I to go? Where am I to end up? And what's holding me back from fulfilling that? Mm, this sounds like fortune-telling to me or something akin to it. 
Today I've got a treat for you because we have our special guest, Robert Henderson. It's so awesome to have you here. It's good to be here. And you are the author of Operating in the Courts of Heaven. Yes. And then the new book. Uh, Operating in the Courts of Heaven? What? going to feature in this is unlocking destinies from the courts of heaven oh yeah so you got to unlock your destiny from the court of heaven yeah um you can find that uh in the bible in fourth hesitations chapter 66 and of course, you've been all over the world teaching people the value of knowing that place where they can go into the he- heavenlies and settle issues, especially yes. if there's an adversary. Yeah, now notice, she literally just said that this fellow, Robert Henderson, has traveled the world teaching people how they can ascend into the heavenlies, into the heavenly courts, and do things and stuff. There is no biblical text that teaches this. This guy has gone way beyond Scripture, and this is a doctrine that is not taught in the Bible at all. That is pushing against what God has for you, that we have access into that place so that we can come into the freedom that God has for us. Absolutely. You know, it, 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 was, a, it was a message, an idea that changed, changed my life and my family's life. And Well, if it changes life, it's got to be true, right? Yeah, no. That's not how you determine what's biblically true or not. I always knew that I was created for something I wasn't able to get into. You know, I, I tell people, if right. you don't know, then nobody knows. Yeah, right. You know, and so, so I, and I tell people, don't be afraid to admit to yourself what you actually feel and believe in your heart. And yeah. so, so I had this awareness that I was built for something, but that awareness had created a frustration in me because I wasn't able to move in into those realms. And, and you know, I thought, well, I yeah, you weren't able to move in those realms. Notice all the subjective feelings here. He wasn't saying, oh, you know, in, in the Bible it says this, this, and this. And, and I was frustrated because, you know, I, I'm not sure how that all works in Scripture. No, he, this is all just something he felt. To work harder, mm-hmm. or I need, I need, I need, you know, to, to meet the right people, or right. I need whatever it was. Right. But I, I discovered that the reason that I wasn't able to get into what God had called me to was because something legal was resisting me in the spirit realm. That the you discovered that something legal was standing against you in the spirit realm. Wow! How'd you figure that out? And uh, how are we supposed to figure that out without a Bible? Oh, I know. We have to buy your book. He had a legal right to try to keep me out of my destiny. And I tell people, the reason he wants to keep us out of our destiny is because our destinies are are connected to the fulfillment of God's purposes. Amen. That God needs us to get there. Amen. Let's God ne- needs us to get there. Mm-hmm. You'll know this is just straight up man-made nonsense. No biblical text says this. A little bit before we go on further about you mentioned legal right that the you know if the enemy has legal right he can hold you back. Mm-hmm. How does he get legal right? Well, I, I believe um, that when I use the term legal right, I'm, I'm saying that there's something in the spirit world that he has a right to resist us with. For instance, I believe that uh, um, in Luke 18, when Jesus began to speak about 
approaching God in a judicial mm-hmm. system because he put prayer in approaching God as a judge there. Uh, he used the term adversary, which is the Greek word antidikos, which means one who brings a lawsuit. And the word comes from two words, which means to deny you what's rightfully yours. And that's just amazing to me because I realize what the enemy is doing is he is bringing a lawsuit, something legal, against us in the spirit world. Uh-huh. So the, the, the devil's bringing a lawsuit against us in the spirit world. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 6, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, so that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. Uh-huh. Christians are not supposed to go beyond what is written. There is no biblical text that teaches us how to ascend into the heavenlies in order to basically combat you know, legal proceedings that are occurring against us in the spiritual realm and all of this nonsense that this fellow is talking about. If it were in the scriptures, Christians would have been believing this and applying this for the last two millennia. No, he's gone way, 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 way beyond what is written. But of course, it's got to be true. I mean, this has radically improved and helped his life, you know. To deny me what I'm actually made for. Right. Because he doesn't want me to get there. So what I tell people, I said, you know, there are three basic things that I think that he uses. Uh, in Psalms 32 and Psalms 51, David spoke of sin, transgression, and iniquity. And sin is is uh, falling short. It can do with the motives of the heart. I mean, sin is much deeper than just actions. It's, it's intent. It's motives. You know, God deals with all that in our heart. Transgression is the actually the activity of stepping across a boundary, doing something we know we're not supposed to do. But then iniquity was always connected to the sin that was in the bloodline. In other words, uh, uh, Nehemiah, Daniel, all these people, when they were trying to... Yeah, I, I don't know any Hebrew scholars that would agree with what this fellow just said. Israel, out of captivity and back into the promised land, they began the process by repenting for their own personal sins, but also repenting for the iniquity of their fathers because they recognized the enemy used the legal issue mm-hmm. of the iniquity of the fathers yeah. as a right to hold, to not only bring them in captivity, but hold them in that captivity. So you're saying that it's possible that not only our own sin, mm-hmm. our sinful choices can create a landing strip for the enemy to yes. take legal right, but also... Uh, our, our sinful choices can create a landing strip so the enemy can take legal right. Again... Which biblical text says that? From the sins of our parents and down through the generation line. Yes. And it's really interesting that this whole thing, because we know the devil even tried to trip up Jesus because he would have loved to have kept Jesus from fulfilling destiny. But Jesus said the prince of this world is coming. But he has nothing, nothing. in right. me, right? So yes. he has nothing to charge that's him right. with. That's right. That's right. Because I believe, and I believe that that even as new creations in Christ Jesus, you know that 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 we we are a new being, we are a new creation mm-hmm. in Him. Okay, but the enemy is a legalist. 
Yeah. And so I always uh, what, what so so let me let me just use this illustration because it's a real one um, for in my life. I had I had always known I was created for certain things that I could never get into. And all of and I had finally just given up in frustration. You just I felt had, held back. I felt held back. I mean it was like it was like Yeah, sure proof that you have had a lawsuit leveled against you in the spiritual realm that you've got to kind of go and work your work out is if you feel frustrated because you just know you were made for something in particular and you just can't seem to figure out how to get to it. Yeah, that that's proof right there. Subjective here. This is totally man-made stuff. I don't know what else to do. It seems like every door I try to go through gets slammed in my face. It seems like when something's going to open up, here it comes, and then bam, it it shuts, and I get knocked backwards. Mm-hmm. And this has happened not only not for just a, a couple of years. I mean, for decades. Wow. It's so much so that my wife would literally say to me, "Why does this always happen to you?" And oh I said, gosh. "I don't know. I don't you know. know. I just I I just feel like these words that are being spoken right now is hitting someone so hard. You're... Yeah, hitting them so hard that they're putting in them in bondage to the devil because this is not Christian or biblical doctrine. And they're saying, "Oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. That's totally me." And I just want you to stay glued. Stay glued to this message because you're going to find a key to unlock that destiny. That 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 force that's been pushing against you and every time you think you're taking a step forward, you end up taking two back. That can be annihilated today in this next few minutes even. Amen. <laughs> and, and what you just said, I mean, that describes me. And so when you've lived that way for decades, you actually begin to expect it. Sure. It's like, and so that's I, dangerous. That, that's <laughs> dangerous because what, what it developed in me, yeah. if I'm really honest, is I had become a skeptic. I'd become sure. a skeptic. I'd become a pessimist. It was like, okay, I'm going to try this, but I know nothing will really happen. Well, that, right. like you said, that's, that doesn't yeah. work. It, it helps you in any, any realm. So anyway, that's where I was. So all of a sudden, in the middle of one of the the last things that happened, I have a dream. And you know I'm a dreamer. Yeah. And in the dream, I there I there is a legal case, a verdict actually against me from a court because my great great grandfather had through negligence injured someone. Wow. And and I knew this in the dream and I woke up and the dream was so real. I thought I uh, I see. So the reason you were being held back from your destiny is cuz a great great grandfather accidentally through negligence injured somebody and it's just totally ruining your density. Again, no biblical text teaches this. I woke up thinking there's a real, a real natural case against me. And when I got awake, I went, no, wait, this is a dream. Wow. But I realized God was showing me. He that was revealing he, you he was to, re- to the source. That's exactly right. He was showing me that my great-great-grandfather's negligence, which I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. but it had injured someone, and the enemy was now using that as a legal right wow. to keep me out of my destiny. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, the negligence of your great-great-grandfather stole someone's dreams away. Therefore, the enemy has had a right to steal your dreams away and they probably what really god told you that folks this is just straight up blasphemy what this fellow is teaching is blasphemous because he is ascribing to god words and thoughts and doctrines that god has not revealed this is just gobbledygook. And of course, so there you go. And if you think about really what's going on here is that Patricia King and Robert Henderson 
are putting people in bondage and making them think that they have been diagnosed with a problem that since they have special communication with God directly, that they have the key to unlocking this uh, this generational problem that uh, that you may not even know that you have that up there in the heavenlies lawsuits are being filed against believers to keep them from experiencing their destiny but don't worry don't worry at all because you know they are here just to serve you to help you so that you can finally be free and actually achieve your destiny i mean it, oh they're so selfless no, they're not. These are greedy people who are teaching for shameful gain things they ought not to teach. And since this is nowhere taught in Scripture, we are nowhere, we, we, we are not obligated. In fact, not only are we not obligated to believe this, we are obligated to not believe this. This is just reprehensible. All right, moving along. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a purpose-driven update, so let's play our purpose-driven update music. Here we go. I don't know how I know, but I'm gonna find my purpose. I don't know where I'm gonna look, but I'm my purpose before it's too late. All right, so we're heading over to Saddleback Church, and we're going to be listening to uh, one of their youth pastors, uh, at least he pastors the younger folks there at uh, Saddleback, and the uh, name of the message is Discover Your Life Trajectory of Promise and Purpose. fellow's name is Steve Adams. A little bit of a note, and that is, is that Rick Warren doesn't really preach very often at Saddleback anymore. Not sure what he's doing with his time. I'm sure if he's not retired, then he's using his time for nefarious purposes. That's just my evaluation of Rick Warren. But here's Steve Adams to fill people's minds with a um, man-made rather than biblical doctrine. Here we go. I've, I've got to tell you, I years ago, when I was in the third or fourth grade in elementary school in Cleveland, Tennessee, my class went on a field trip. Now, you know what a field trip is to an elementary kid, right? It's freedom. It's freedom. And in fact, field trips was one of the things that kept me in elementary school. It's one of the three things. Field trips, lunch, and recess. People, that's why I got up in the morning. Which is why I am the mental giant that I am today. Oh, go ahead, laugh. I teach your kids. Yeah. Who's laughing now? But I had an incredible experience. We went to this place called the uh, Alabama Space and Rocket Center. And at the time, I had no idea the historical significance of this facility. I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't know all the history behind it and the part that it played in the American space program. But what I did know was... There were huge rockets, and they were everywhere. And in fact, to commemorate the event, I, I bought this guy. I've, I've had him ever since. Yeah, I keep him with me all the time. I mean, I don't walk around with it, but, but I bought this thing on that field trip, and I've, I've kept it all these years. And I've, ever since then, I, it, it, I have had this, this great interest in, uh, in space travel. But the, the thing that blew my mind when I was there was the Saturn V rocket. 
This thing was massive. And you guys know, it's one of the most iconic images in, in all of space travel. And I was, I was able to get up, up close to one of these rockets. And it just blew my mind. And the technology around it, the in, engineering genius connected to it. And I realized today, with some of the new rockets that NASA's using and, and, and SpaceX, I'm, I'm carefully enunciating that because my wife told me this week, she said, Steve, when you say SpaceX... You blend the words. It sounds like you're saying SpaceX. <laughs> if I do it again, I mean SpaceX. And she told me the other day, she said, nobody wants to hear about SpaceX. <laughs> and I said, you don't know that. <laughs> so I'm already working on that message. I don't know how it's going to go. It probably won't be a campaign, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it anyway. But... But the Saturn V rocket, it, 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 just, it just blew my mind and everything that's going on. And today we're going to be looking at God's word at Romans 8.28. And what Romans 8.28 means for the trajectory of our lives. And that, that word trajectory is a word that is seldomly ever used outside of describing the flight path of a rocket or an airplane. But the trajectory of our lives, the principles of our lives are very much connected to that trajectory of a rocket. And that's why today we want to examine what does it mean to have a trajectory of promise and of purpose. Look at your now note that this sermon is one hundred percent backwards. Mm-hmm. He, he what's going to make, comprise the main body of his sermon is his illustration, not a biblical text in context. Sermon illustrations are supposed to help us understand the true sense of what a biblical passage means. Mm -hmm. They serve and help us understand the scriptures. He is making his sermon illustration the main portion of his sermon, and as a result of it, he's going to twist the biblical text to conform to his illustration. Mm Mm-hmm. I assure you, there were no Saturn V rockets at the time the New Testament was penned. It's Romans 8.28. This is a powerful verse, and this is a promise from God that has given me a lot of hope throughout my life. And I want us to read that. And it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All right. So verse out of context, bad sign. Really bad sign. The three rules for sound biblical exegesis and rightly understanding God's Word, they are context, context, and context. So Romans 8.28, out of context from the New Living Translation, is no way to teach people what God's Word means, what it says, or anything of the sort. So let's apply our three rules. We'll go back into the context, and we will note what it is that the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of of the Holy Spirit, has penned for us there. So Romans 8, 12. Brothers, we are debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So you're going to note here, this is uh, this is impacting how <coughs> we are to live our lives and how Scripture teaches us to, well, endure suffering. And we eagerly await when the time when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. We await the redemption of our bodies, no longer being enslaved to sin or having a sinful nature. No, none of those things. And so that's the context. So verse 26 now. So likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, and this is only going to be Christians, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Well, it is God who justifies. So who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you're going to note that Romans 8.28 is a comfort for those of us 
who through the working of God's Spirit through the Word have been brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and are hoping and longing and anticipating and waiting for the return of Christ. And in the midst of it, we continue to go through sufferings and persecutions, but we are assured that Christ himself is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is also interceding for us, and we know that that for those who love God, those who are Christians, God will cause all things to work together for good, who are called according to his purpose. And in this particular case, the purpose that is being talked here is not some unique dream destiny purpose that you're supposed to receive, you know, the, 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 the mysterious reason for why you were made. No, the purpose here is talking about your salvation. And see, well, because Steve Adams here has taken this text out of context and isn't really teaching what this passage is saying, he's basically going to force this text to teach the purpose-driven theology, which is man-made, and the man who made it is Rick Warren. Now, what this verse is not telling us, it's not telling us that God causes every single thing that happens in my life that it's at the hand of God. That's not necessarily the case. There are things that come into my life as a result of God's providence and God's, God's uh, uh, pushing, but it's, that's not what this verse is saying. It's not saying that God causes everything in your life. It's saying when things happen to us, whether it be tragic or whether it be triumphant, God can take those things and work them for our good. And that has everything to do with, with how he grows us and how he develops us and how he takes us through the different moments that we have in our life. And, you know, all of us have what we call defining moments. Defining moments are those significant points in our, our history where something happens. There's an event. There's an occurrence. And it- notice he was actually doing okay there for a minute. I mean, he was getting dangerously close to rightly handling this text. And then he made it all about defining moments. Huh? Has the potential to change the very direction of our life. And some of these events are great. It could be a marriage, could be the birth of a child, it could be a promotion. But some of these defining moments are not so great. Could be a hurt. It could be a divorce. It could be a death of a loved one. Regardless of what it is, these defining moments have a tremendous impact on our life. And in fact, if we could take all those defining moments and then chart them on like this, we could take each of the defining moments of our life and chart them. What we would develop is a literal trajectory of our life because a trajectory is just simply the path that your life follows. And look in your notes. It says this, your personal trajectory is the path your life travels, which consists of defining moments in various stages. What does this have to do with Romans 8? I read the vast majority of that particular chapter, and it doesn't say anything or teach anything about which you are talking about. And those defining moments are what we're going to take a look at today, specifically in specific stages. Now, as I mentioned with the Saturn V rocket, the one of the reasons we were able to succeed in the 60s of putting a man on the moon was because of the development of the Saturn V rocket and what it was capable of. And one of the things that was unique with the Saturn V rocket was it was designed to work in certain stages. Stage one, 
The rock, the stage one of the Saturn V rocket was to lift it off of the earth and get it out of earth's atmosphere. And once those engines had fired, done its job and got it into the proper trajectory, then this would break away from the rocket. And then stage two kicks in when stage two kicks in in the rocket. Same thing. There are thrusters that fire all along. Those thrusters are designed to keep the rocket on a very specific path, a very specific trajectory. And once those rockets fire, they break away. And then stage three of the rocket kicks in. Now, what's interesting to me is all three of these stages with this massive rocket, the height of the Statue of Liberty, it's all for this. Everything that's important on that rocket exists right here. This is where the astronauts were. This is where the lunar landing module was. This was the ca- where the capsule was. It was going to return them safely to Earth. All these stages existed for what was in the very front of that rocket. And that's what I want us to look at today is how God uses the defining moments in certain stages of our life, just like we see with this rocket, and how he shapes us and prepares us to have a life of promise and of purpose. And to do that... Yeah, so you, you'll note, uh, like I've already pointed out, that uh, he he started off dangerously close to actually rightly handling the text because even a, somebody who has to twist God's word, if they make the uh, fatal mistake of reading it out in, at all, they're going to have to address what it says. And no sooner did he at least acknowledge that it said a particular thing that he totally changed the subject and went to his sermon illustration to basically define the meaning of the text. It was slick. It was subtle. Um, definitely a defining moment in bad sermonage, but <laughs> not at all what Romans 8.28 teaches. Unbelievable. All right. We are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at fire Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going to hear a sermon about soaking, which the Bible doesn't teach. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code 
for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Number two of Fighting for the Faith, sermon review time. This is just bizarre. Only way I can describe it. Let's do this right, though. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Sermon. Today's sermon comes to us via the Toronto Airport Church. Used to be the vineyard, but they got kicked out of the vineyard with the Toronto Blessing. Yeah, even John Wimber had more theological sense than the Arnott. But we're going to be listening to Carol Arnott, number one. She's not permitted to be doing what she's doing, and that is preaching a sermon. But she's not only not permitted to do that, she's going to be teaching a doctrine totally made up. The doctrine about soaking in the presence of God. And the only people being soaked are the people there who are being soaked for their money so that they can continue to uh, keep padding the pockets and purses of um, Carol Arnott and her husband. So let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Carol Arnott in her sermon titled, Soaking in God's Presence. Here we go. We want more. We are so grateful and so thankful for all that 
you have done, Lord, over the last 20... You, you want more of what? Four years. We are just... At- Maybe she wants more money? Absolutely. Amazed, astounded, ah, honored, blessed. Testimonies from all over the world of your goodness, your kindness. Yeah, that ah, was apparently the weighty presence of the Holy Spirit that made her go, ah, yeah. Your healing, your freedom, your causing us to just fall even more in love. And you know, Smith Wigglesworth said, and I don't have... Smith Wigglesworth was a complete huckster. And he was like the uh, one of the early Pentecostal guys that was a lot like Todd Bentley. He'd throw, he'd kick a baby or throw it against the wall, claiming that he was getting a demon out of it. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I'm not joking. That's what Smith was, Wigglesworth was like. Date, but Smith Wigglesworth said that the next revival would be a revival of the word and the spirit. Ah. <sighs> And so as we are preparing ourselves, you know, we really need to begin to read through the Bible. Read it slowly. Yeah, I agree with her. And if the people there at uh, the Toronto Church would read through the Bible, they would realize they're being deceived and that they would end up leaving that... um, Church. Meditate on it. Digest it. Put yourself ah, in the place of its leading characters. In the school that... Yeah, no. That's not our job. Our job is not to put ourselves in the place of the leading characters. That's narcissistic eisegesis, the reading of yourself into the biblical text. You're not in there. No, you're, you're not the heroes of the Bible. All of those people point to Christ. Today we did Joseph, the making of a leader. And I had all of them become Josephs for the hour. And watch their hearts. Which is utter nonsense. Nowhere in Scripture are we called to become Josephs. By the way... I did an extended teaching on uh, Genesis and covered the uh, the stories the story about Joseph and noted that that whole story points us to Christ literally in type and shadow Joseph is one of the starkest characters of the Old Testament who really really reflects back the true character of Jesus Christ and this, and he is a foreshadow prophetically of Jesus in his life, death, resurrection, and things like that. So uh, Carol Arnott, I mean, she's already admitting in this, you know, this sermon that she has no clue who the Bible really is about. It's not about me or you. It's about Jesus. As they went through the story. And as we go through the Bible, we need to just put ourselves in that position it will come no we should not do that at all we're alive to you it might take you longer to read it through but make yourself like those that that are in the scriptures we want more of the holy spirit don't we 
And so we want to go back, but also go forward. You know, it's amazing. Because yeah, this sappy music is just annoying. Oh, wow. Because a lot of you, when you came in here at the beginning, looked like my friend. And I want to introduce you to my friend. Some of you have already met my friend. Say hello to my little friend. And it's a sponge. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is so crazy. We're going to literally make this one of the segments in our dumpster fire uh, the next episode. Yeah. But I want to introduce you to my friend. And my friend is called Mr. Sponge. And, and it's a dried out sponge with a... With big eyes and a sad face. If you came in kind of looking like Mr. Sponge, you were not very flexible. You were kind of crusty and hard. You were a little dried out, weren't you? I notice now that there's a lot more smiles. And you look much more relaxed. And so I want us to just watch Mr. Sponge over the next little while. Because we're going to set Mr. Sponge to soaking. Ah, and I want to see what happens to Mr. Sponge when he soaks in the Holy Spirit. You're going to soak a sponge in the Holy Spirit. How does one go about making a sponge soak in the Holy Spirit? Oh, we have some H2O here. Well, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill it. Mm, how many of you pray over your baptismal water when you baptize people? Ah... Lord, we just ask you to anoint this water. And Lord, we just put Mr. Sponge in and let him soak for a little while, okay? There's nothing crazy about this at all. I mean, this lady has literally lost her mind. And see what happens to him. Oh, he's really hard. My goodness, Mr. Sponge. You really need to have a drink. Wow. Mm. I hope I'm not that hard. But you know, we get on with life. We get busy with life. And we forget to do the good things. We forget to prepare our hearts. And part of preparing for the glory is preparing our own selves. And by the way, she's holding up a copy of uh, a book that she's selling mm -hmm, during the sermon. Being immersed in his presence, becoming saturated ah, to overflowing. The Bible says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be. Can you just be? Hmm. Or are you too busy? 
She's got that annoying romper room, kindergarten teacher voice thing going on. And it is really just grating. Are you too occupied? Ooh, my timer just went off. Mmm, Jesus, I worship you. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. Wow. I'm going to talk to you about my timer in a little bit. Yeah, you go right ahead. Um, yeah, job of a pastor is to preach the word. You clearly are not one of them. But be... God wants us to be. doesn't want us to always do, 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 do. Go, 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 go. He said, be still. Our generation finds it so difficult to be still. Our teachers have taught us to stop daydreaming, to get to work, to do it, to, you know, our parents get it done, you know, stop daydreaming, stop, you know, lying on the floor, stop, you know, get working, get doing. And so we're a society. I mean, just coming down again on the 401 oh my gosh you know we've, we've been away for a little bit <laughs> and oh my gosh it's just like you know and the bee still kind of got left somewhere and was like you know you have to be on your toes because the people are going zip, 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 zip. Right, yeah, I got to be on my toes because, you know, the zip zippers, yeah, they're zipping. <laughs> I can't believe the people are not standing up and walking out in droves. This is utter nonsense. And our cities are full of that. Our cities are full of busyness. Our churches are full of busyness. Our jobs are full of busyness. Yeah, did you think that a job is someplace you go to take a nap? You know, maybe get a mani-pedi or something like that? This is, what is this? Our homes are full of busyness. But the Bible says, be, just be. Just say that word, Carol. Or whatever your name is, just be. Doesn't that feel good? What are you talking about? This is not a sermon, by the way. It's okay just to be. Be still. And why do we want to be still? So that we will know our God. Like Elijah. He wasn't in the whirlwind. He wasn't in the ah, thunder. He wasn't in the wind. He was that still, small voice. 
that we so often miss. And so I want to talk to you today about a a foundational truth that we've learned here that we need to relearn. Probably most of us need to learn how to be still in his presence. You know, I love to worship. Oh my goodness, I love to pray. But I've not always been a good listener to the Lord. Something That's obvious because you are preaching a sermon and God's word clearly says women should not be doing this. So yeah, I agree, you're not a good listener. Not to the word of God at least. That we need to quiet ourselves down and listen to what God is saying to us. So, what are you talking about today, Carol? I'm talking about marinating. You're going you're gonna to marinate. Where is the doctrine of marination mentioned in Scripture? Being quiet. We call it soaking in his presence. Yeah, what does the Bible call it? I, I'd be curious if you could actually back any of this up with an actual biblical text. Ah, the old fashions called it tarrying until the glory came down. Wow, you mean you can't work it up? You can't strive? You can't whatever? The old fashions knew. That you needed to spend time with him. You needed to connect your heart with his. We want to listen to what he says to us. Yeah, all you need to do is open up a Bible to do that. Which a lot of times are our impressions on the mind. Just that. Yeah, no scripture says that. Intersecting thought. You want to grab a hold. What did you say, Lord? We want to tune our hearts to be able to hear what he has to say. We want to learn to see what he shows us. Impressions on the mind. That fleeting picture. That fleeting face we haven't thought about in a while. We want to catch and say, Lord, what are you saying? Am I supposed to call? Chloe, am I supposed to call? Trevor, am I supposed to call somebody? Why are you giving me their face? Why are you giving me their name? So we want to learn to experience The reality of God. Ah, not just when we come to a wonderful meeting like this. We want to learn to walk in this. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. 
And I- yeah, that would be Jesus, the Son of God in human flesh. What exactly do you see the Father doing? And how did this become a command that I'm supposed to do the same thing by experiencing soaking carpet time while tarrying and waiting for the glory to come down? Notice, uh, there is no biblical text that's teaching any of this nonsense. She's just winging it, if you would. Only say what I hear my father saying. Like for months and months, I've been saying, oh, God, help me. Help me tune in. Help me ask. Can you imagine if all of us just in this room and those on the Internet could walk like Jesus walked? Oh, could you imagine? Yeah. Um, Jesus is God in human flesh. Again, what are you talking about, lady? What would happen in a week? Take a week of Jesus' life. The blind would see, the deaf would hear. Yeah, you'd be the little Messiah. Wow, imagine you could change the world if you would just become the Messiah. You'd be a false one, but oh, wow, what a big difference you'd make. A little boy would get freed from epilepsy. You'd go to a maybe a... Jewish home or a Muslim home or a atheist home and you'd lead them into a relationship with Jesus. How so? It doesn't sound to me like you have any relationship with the real Jesus. It would be incredible if we could only get there. And say, God, I want to be that connected. I want to be that close with you. You see, having an experience of the reality of God isn't just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing walk. Yeah, uh, where in Scripture does it talk about this? these ongoing experiences? I, I'd like to see those texts, please. You just keep talking and talking and talking, but you don't back any of the things up that you're saying from actual biblical text, which means you're just making this stuff up. It's present. It's now. It's living, and it's today. And it's tomorrow, and it's the next day. Through soaking, through spending time in the presence of God, we find that God is real. We find that he wants to come and have a wonderful, close relationship with him. Really, you discover this through soaking. How come none of the prophets or apostles of the Bible taught this technique? Intimacy with him. Yeah, it just sounds like intimacy with the air. I mean, when did Jesus say he was going to show up if you did this? Is his heart's desire. You see, he's got everything else. But he wants you. 
He's paid a horrific price for you. And he wants to come close. And he wants well, you don't you think he would if he wanted to? To come close. He doesn't want you going on a, you know, a prayer list around the world. That's good. We need to do that. But first and foremost, we need to connect heart to heart with him. And so the way I connect heart to heart with Jesus is with soaking. Where did Jesus say that you connect with him in his heart and stuff when you soak? I'd like to see those passages, please. You clearly have gone way beyond what is written. Holy Spirit fell January 20th, 1994. I was thrilled. No, the Holy Spirit came on at the Feast of Pentecost 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem. You, you, the Holy Spirit you're describing is not the biblical Holy Spirit. I don't know who you're talking about, but the biblical Holy Spirit came on the Feast of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Sorry, my timer just went again. Ah! Yeah, that's just theatrics, lady. Shakaraba. And that's forbidden by Scripture. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 14 forbids anybody who speaks in a tongue in a church service to do so without an interpreter. Yep, that's more proof. She has nothing to do with God the Holy Spirit. We'll tell you about it because it's going to go off every 10 minutes. is what I'm talking about as a timer. Okay? It's set for every 10 minutes. It's called my 10-minute timer. And it's amazing when you wear one. Because it reminds you to worship Him. And it goes off at the most inappropriate times. When somebody's cut you off in traffic. And you're ready to go... Right? That stupid man driver. Right? But that timer goes off and you go, you can't speak negative and worship at the same time. It's amazing. Or something happens, or you're not feeling so good. Ah, and the timer goes off, and you go, oh, Lord, I love you. I love you anyway. Sometimes you can do it like I'm doing it. Full on, full up, worship him. Sometimes you can't do that. But you can learn to worship under your breath. Right? But it's amazing when you worship every ten minutes how it changes you and how it brings you into that close and intimate relationship. Right. Do you have a 10-minute egg timer to remind you to worship every 10 minutes? Uh, scriptures don't tell us to do that either. With him. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, the Holy Spirit is more real to me than any human being. 
Now, as a brand new Christian, I couldn't catch that. Because you see, growing up in a, a denominational church, it was God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy. Yeah, that's the Trinity there, yeah. Ghost. Now, as a little girl, I knew what a ghost was, but I didn't know what a holy one was. And they didn't tell me. And so when Catherine, I went to her meetings and she started talking about this wonderful third person of the Trinity that was so real that he would want to be more real to us than any human being. Come on. Ah. What does that even mean? Jesus said that when he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and unbelief and things like that. What are you talking about? What a wonderful, wonderful thing that God Almighty would come and want to be with us and become that real. Jesus actually is God in human flesh. He came and was with us in order to save us. To us. When I first got saved, I would kneel down by my bed. And I would pray to Jesus and this presence would come. And I would say, oh, Jesus, I so love your presence. Oh, this is so great. But I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit that came. You see, as I was loving Jesus, the Holy Spirit loves when we... So now she's uh, exegeting her life. ...that, and he wants to come close. And so the more we... He wants to. He, he really wants to, but, you know, you got to do stuff and stuff. Jesus, the closer he'll come to you. Ah, because, you see, Jesus has gone to be with the Father, and the Holy Spirit has been sent down to help us. And so when we love Jesus, he's right there. And he wants to be close to us. And he wants to be near to us. Wow. (sighs) You know, we get so busy. We get busy doing the good. We get busy pastoring. You know, as a pastor's wife, I was busy. Busy, 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 busy. Busy, busy, busy. Doing the things that I thought were good, and they were good. I was helping people. I was, you know, counseling. I was listening to them. I was praying for them. And if somebody had said to me, Carol, you've lost your first love, I would have laughed at them. But you know, really, in truth, that's what happened. My focus got down on the problems of our congregation and the problems of life and forgot how wonderfully big an awesome God really is. Shakaraba. Yeah, another instance of her 
flagrantly disobeying a direct and clear instruction and command from God. When I married John, he owned a travel agency. It's quite funny, you know, because we travel a lot more than we did when we owned a travel agency. (laughs) But then he, he wanted to start a church. And so we started a church in our hometown in Stratford. And I used to cry and say, oh, honey, like, what can I do? Like, I have no abilities, no talents. I've not gone to Bible school. I mean, how can I be a pastor's wife? I can't sing or I can't play the piano. Years later, David Campbell said, oh, yeah, but you can arrange flowers, Carol. (laughs) I said, thanks, David. (laughs) But anyway, ah, I just, I had... No talents, no abilities, nothing. And John would say, yes, but honey, you can love. I said, yeah, but everybody can love. And he said, no, God has given you a gift to love the unlovely, to love people to life. And he said, that's a gift. You see, a lot of times when God gives us Something we think it's just part of who we are and that everybody has it. And so we need to really appreciate what God has given us because it won't all be the same. Ah, but we need to ask Him, God, what have you given me? Might be the gift of helps, it might be the gift of evangelism, it might be the gift of prophesying it might be the gift of encouragement whatever it is we need to embrace those wonderful gifts that God's given us so when we started the church I was so incredibly shy and intimidated I mean everybody laughs at me now She doesn't seem like she's very shy. Yeah, because you seem to be obsessed with preaching about yourself, um, which is really weird. Quite tenacious when the Holy Spirit says, go after somebody, right, Curtis? (laughs) And... um, but I was really, 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 really shy. And so John said, okay, on Mother's Day, you're going to preach. And that was six months out before Mother's Day. It took me six months to find something in the Bible to preach on. I was so nervous. Oh, that whole... How much you want to bet she didn't preach on First Timothy chapter 2? Saturday night, I was up the whole night. I... Oh, I wrote out every single word. I I was perspiring the next morning. I think I read... I think I read it all off and it... Oh was just really, really incredible. But you know, God has a way. A prophet came to our little church in Stratford and he said, his name was Mark DuPont, and he said, Carol, he said, I see you preaching to hundreds and hundreds of pastors and leaders 
And he said, I see you preaching to thousands and thousands of people. And I laughed right in his face. And I said, some prophet you are. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Mind you, I've gone back and apologized to him since. Oh, dear. Anyway. But as I learned about soaking... It changed all that. So maybe you're saying, a lot of you here know soaking. This is a reminder. Because a lot of us have gotten too busy. But some of you might be saying, what do you mean by soaking? How do I soak? Why do I soak? Good questions. Soaking is positioning yourself before God just to experience His love for you and to give Him your love. No expectations. This Do you, you have a biblical text that teaches this practice? I'd like to see it, please. It's just intimacy, a love affair between you and your Savior. Ah, listening to that still small voice, being immersed in that beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit. Keep your prayer lists, keep your agendas for another time. But you see, if we do not learn how to be intimate with him now, how are we going to be his bride when we get to heaven? Oh, no. Almost two millennia of Christians have never figured out how to be intimate with Jesus. They're going to be totally lost on how to be intimate with him when he shows up. This is utter nonsense. And have never had that kind of closeness. That's going to be slightly awkward. And those that have managed to be intimate with him now, we are going to be, I don't think you can get jealous in heaven, though, come to think of it. But I think we're going to be, have a regret that we haven't done that here on earth. Because the Bible says... The bride is making herself ready. And so soaking is part of getting yourself ready. Really? Which biblical text says this? Preparing for more. You see, because when we're filled with him, ah, and we've poured out our love for him, John likes to say it's a circle. You, him, and them. And if we're not filled ourselves with him, them aren't going to get very much. Because you can't give away what you haven't got.
or it becomes religion. It becomes striving. It becomes. Yeah, this is just religion itself. I mean, there's no biblical text that teaches any of this. She's literally making this stuff up. She's winging it. Oh, my husband says. Yeah, who's he again? And how did he become the uh, guy who can make Christian doctrines and practices up? Controlling, it becomes manipulative. But if you're filled, wow, woo, to overflowing with his presence, and your heart is bursting with love for him, guess what's going to come out of you to others? All of that. Really? Wow. So so me soaking will make me burst to overflowing with love for others. Says no biblical text anywhere. Because we want people in the world to, to say to us, what do you have? What's different about you? I want what you have. Don't we? We want to radiate his glory. We want to be so filled with his love. Intercession, prayer lists are very important. First and foremost. But not as important as soaking. Although, no, Jesus never even soaked. Yeah, show me all the texts where Jesus was a soaker. Is this intimate time with him. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven is the first commandment. It says, love the Lord your God with all your head. Oh, see, because it says with all my heart, then that means that I need to soak. This is nonsense. That's what a lot of us are doing. Yeah, turn that head off. It's clearly getting in the way of your love for Jesus, man. Aren't we? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Get your heart involved, right? And then with all your soul, somewhere down in here. And then with all your mind. See, your mind keeps us on track. But it's a love affair. The Bible says God is Yeah, no, a love affair has to do with the Greek word eros. Yeah, that's a completely different type of love than agape. Yeah, no, nowhere in Scripture are we told to have an eros love affair with God. That would get really creepy. Yeah. Ooh. Well, what does that look like? Have you watched somebody, two young people falling in love? They're just, you know, the whole world just gets forgotten and all they can see is each other. And so we need to have eyes for him. Eyes only for him. Because if we have eyes for him, he loves the lost. 
And so if we're in tune like that, he will open the opportunities. And so we want that circle. See, you got to get in tune first, then the opportunities. You want opportunities as a Christian, right? Well, you got to soak, says no biblical text anywhere in Scripture. To be a continuous everyday circle where we spend time with him, loving him, and just absolutely being transformed by his love for us. You see, a lot of times we can't really believe that he really, really, really loves us. A lot of times I will make people, (laughs) can't make people, but really super encourage them to every single morning when they wake up and brush their teeth to look themselves in the eyes and say, I am so loved by Jesus. I am worthy. My daddy God loves me. Because if you look at somebody that doesn't believe that, you can see that it stops here. They just kind of won't let it go down into their heart yeah because their head is stopping things up you know because they've been so hurt so wounded so abused but we need to believe that truth and that's part of soaking ah there must be time for him must be time for him just to love him just to let him love us. You know, we had a guy come in the revival. It was so cute. He came and he learned about hearing the voice of God. He learned about soaking. And I think it was a year went by. He came back again and he said, I am so frustrated with this soaking business. And so we said, well, Tell us, what, what's wrong? And he said, well, every time I lie down to soak, all I hear from the Lord is, my son, I really love you. He said, that's all he said for a year. So I said, oh, that's interesting. Lie down. And soak for a minute. Tune in to the Lord. I said, ask him why. He's only said that to you. Well, he was down for about five minutes. He jumps up and he said, do you know what he said to me? I said, I have a feeling, but tell me. He said, I will say that until you believe it. You still don't believe it in your heart that I really love you. Isn't that amazing? And you see, a lot of us are like that. We'll let him love us if we've 
really been praying, if we've really been reading the word, if we've really been spending time, might go in a bit more. But if we've been too busy or whatever, whatever, we feel like we haven't earned his love. But you see, Jesus paid on the cross the ultimate love. And so we need to say yes to that love. God is love and he wants us to be lovers of him and lovers of others. Wow. Shabbat. Mmm, I worship you, Jesus. Oh, just worship with me for a few seconds. Oh, we love you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are good. Yeah, this is all a show. I wouldn't. I have no reason to believe the presence of the Lord is in, there in any special way at all. Most of us have a hard time being still. We have very busy minds, and our minds go zing, 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 zing all over the place. And it takes sometimes about two weeks to get your mind. set on the Lord. And when you first start soaking, the devil will remind you of all the things that you need to do. So just get a piece of paper and write them all down. Say thank you and go back to soaking. You know what? The devil will give up. Right, yeah. She she knows all this from personal experience because no biblical text says any of this. When the Lord reminds you of one thing or two things, it'll be really important. But your mind wants to control you. But just yeah, just turn your mind off, man. Yeah, that thing's getting getting in the way of your intimacy with Jesus, apparently. It's spirit. It's our spirit to spirit with him. Be still. Take a deep breath. And know that I am God. You see, we must constantly be on duty. It's really funny when when some of the organizers are... are, um, running around here a lot of times I'll catch them and and you know soak them a minute and and it's it's a riot because it comes back on me they won't take it and I say will you stop just for a minute and drink I'm not asking you to you know I'm not going to put you on the floor just just get a little drink get filled up and go again and uh, so now they'll come up to me and say oh I'm really feeling really tired can you pray for me for a minute you know and uh John Long does that a lot. And it's just, you know, he just gets a little top up and off he goes again. And, ah, 
But from the time we've been in school, we've been taught to do, 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 task, 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 strategy, strategy, strategy. It's how well we perform is how successful we are. That has been the goal all of our lives. So over the past 24 years, imagine Mary Audrey, 24 years. Oh my gosh. When God's presence comes strongly, some people just can't stay put. You pray for people on the lines and they're down and they're boom, back up again. Oh, that just absolutely really gets me. That's one of my pet peeves because it's not the falling down. It's the connecting with him. It's, it's saying, oh, Lord, show me. Here I am. And if his presence lifts, then say, Lord, do you want me to get up? Or have you got some more for me? Will you come more? And begin to encourage him. Because you see, he wants to know whether you really do want him. Right? It's the experience. The experience with him will change your life. You see, he wants more than a five-minute fling. Doesn't want a love affair in five minutes. Yeah, that's really creeping me out because she's likening intimacy with Jesus to, mm, yeah, that thing. Just like you don't. Right? We don't like five-minute flings. How much do we really value his presence? What value have you got on his presence? Luke 10, 30, or, yeah, 10, 38 to 42 is the story of Mary and Martha. And we all know that story. I mean, can you imagine if you were Martha and Mary? All of a sudden, you've got 12 guys and probably a few extra. And I think probably Martha was a good cook. And so they all come in and say, hey, Martha, what's for dinner? We're starving, you know. And in they go to the meeting with Jesus. Well, Martha is in the kitchen and her doer is majorly up. And so here she is running around the kitchen trying to prepare a meal. And where's Mary? I need some help. Well, Mary is at the feet of Jesus. <sighs> just looking at him, just drawing in. Uh, no, actually, read the text. She was listening to him teach. His love. And Martha gets so perturbed. <clears throat> She's just absolutely fit to be tied. Mary. Mary. Come here. Finally, she can't stand it anymore. 
And she walks into Jesus and she said, Jesus, will you tell my sister to get out in the kitchen here and help me? And you know what Jesus says to her? Martha, Martha, you are so troubled and worried about... Yeah, the story uh, from that gospel is not about soaking. ...many things, but Mary has chosen the best. Hello? Did you hear what I said? She has chosen the best, and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. You mean the best is being with Jesus? Just yeah, soaking isn't being with Jesus. Sitting in his presence? Just Soaking is not sitting in Jesus' presence. It's totally m mindless, man-made nonsense. Being with him? Yeah. I mean, it's in the scriptures for all of us to see. Yeah, no, uh, soaking is not anywhere in the scripture. Nobody can see it there. She valued his presence. Whenever he was around, Mary was at his feet. She was just soaking in. She was loving No, she wasn't. Him. She knew the value. Martha, on the other hand, was serving and working. Right? And Jesus rebuked her. He absolutely rebuked her. And said, Martha, Mary has chosen the best. Take time in his presence and don't be in a hurry. Right? So you're late for supper. So you miss supper. I won't kill you. Your tummy might be a little growly, but have a bottle of water, it'll fix it. Don't be in a hurry. When I soak, I put on a CD that brings me into the presence of... Yeah, how, how did Christians soak before there were CDs? I mean, that's a fairly recent invention, you know. Holy Spirit that draws my heart in to loving Jesus. Ah, Jesus, I so love you. I worship you. Lord, I, I take this time and I position my heart and I tell my mind to go on hold. You can take function later, but now I am heart to heart. I'm positioning myself for love. I'm positioning myself to be with my Jesus. Wow. Maybe you're thinking, but Carol, I read my Bible every day. 
I intercede every day. Why is it so important to soak? Yeah, I mean, if it's so important to soak, I mean, this is such a vital practice that we Christians need to be doing. Why are there no passages that teach us to do it or command us to do so or explain its benefits for us? The Bible is a book of law, of history, of prophecy, of poetry, and of teaching. And all of it comes out of the experiences, that is not a bad word. Uh, yeah, uh, no, the Bible is inspired. Mm-hmm. All of the authors wrote what they wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's not about their experiences. It's about inspiration. Big difference. It comes out of the experiences of its leading characters. Isn't that an interesting thought? No, it shows that you're totally ignorant of what the Bible's about. You see, your life needs to comprise of experiences with him. And the only way that... So the reason that has to be is because of your experience doctrine that you just made up all by yourself. going to happen is by spending time with him. Right? He's not a McJesus. He's not a drive-through. He wants a relationship. Sheba. And there she goes again. Heidi Baker style on that one. Smoking in his presence opens up the heart and the soul to divide. Says no biblical text anywhere. Divine romance with God. It allows the Lord to love you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that soaking allows the Lord to love you. And for you to love him. Ah. You see, as with any relationship, you're not going to get to know somebody. You're right, yeah. So now we're not, we're not relying on biblical text. Let's make this clear. She's saying, oh, well, you see, it's just like a relationship. You know, you got, no, this is not biblical doctrine at all. Unless you spend time with them. And this is one of the most valuable things that we can do. Ah, Each time with him will be different, probably. Sometimes he'll flood you with unconditional love and affection. Sometimes he might put his finger on a wound or a hurt that is in your heart sometimes he will just cover you with a blanket of his healing presence I've seen so many times that we've done a session called healing through soaking and I'm going to do that uh, one time soon and um but the last time I did, it was in England, and a lady with terminal four 
stage four terminal cancer came and Laura, uh, Jessica led her into the Revival Alliance meeting. And so she sat there and she just looked horrible. Anyway, she sat there. So at the end, I said, I want everybody to find a spot and lie down because we're going to soak in his presence. And she said, oh, took everything I could. And I had to beg to get in here because I couldn't pay for the registration. And, and now she's telling me that I have to lie down on the carpet. Does she know how painful that is? I'm already in, you know, a 10 out of a 10 pain level. So this is she this was in her testimony afterwards. Anyway, she laid down on the carpet and guess what? God healed her 100. What's her name again? And I mean she had stage 4 terminal cancer, which means there's going to be medical records to confirm and document this healing. I'd like to see those, please. Percent. Nobody prayed for her. She laid... She in was totally healed by the power soaking, man. Presence of God. And His presence came on this woman. She did it out of obedience. How can it be obedience to engage in soaking when no biblical text commands us to soak? And God saw. You see, once you really realize God wants to be with you, He loves you. He, he, he just wants to hang around you. Right, yeah. Uh, see, when God sees that, he, he'll really, really be interested in hanging around you. Says no biblical text anywhere. It'll change how you think. It'll change what you do. He likes loving you. And he likes when you love him. Have you noticed in your really worship how his presence comes? That's because we're focused. We're giving our love to him, but then he wants to come and talk to us. Before I started soaking, I never had a vision. I grew up in a denominational church. No one told me that you could actually feel God, much less hear God. It was just duty. It was just go through the motions. Read the Bible. Do the prayers. But nobody ever told me that the electrifying power of God would come. So many times when you're soaking, God will give you a vision. And if it starts, if you start to see something, it might be just a little bit. Grab it. Mm, so now, so if you're soaking, you begin to hallucinate. Got it? Don't analyze it. You can analyze it later. Okay? Don't let your brain analyze it. Just grab it and say, Father, let it flow. Let it flow, let it flow. And God will take you into a vision sometimes. Wow. It's just so precious.
when he does that. You know, I remember one time my dad had just died and, and I was sitting in my chair and I was kind of praying and I was feeling sorry for myself and, and I just kind of went, oh God, I, I really need a dad. And I just kind of sat there kind of, you know, well, about a week later, I was at the school of ministry and we were ministering and I decided just to lie down and soak after we ministered. And I had this full-on vision. Now, I, I had read in, in Daniel um, 7, 9 to 14. But anyway, in the, when I was in the school of ministry, all of a sudden, Jesus came up to me. And it was really funny because he had a red rose in his, in his mouth. And his eyes were sparkling and twinkling and... And um, so he took me in and we started to dance and we just were swirling and dancing and, and it was, wow. And then I kind of went, oh my gosh, you know, when we, we slowed down a little bit. So Jesus showed up for a dance date with you with a rose in his mouth. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was shiny. It was so shiny. I thought, my gosh, we're going to fall. And, I, and then I thought, gosh, where are we? And I realized that we were on the sea of glass. We were dancing in heaven on the sea of glass. And then in the distance, I sort of saw the throne of God. And it was smoking. And I saw the emerald... Um, rainbow and and then all of a sudden I saw a figure come off the throne but then we were dancing and I and I lost sight of that and all of a sudden I saw this big hand tap Jesus on the shoulder and I and I looked up and it was Father God and he said Jesus can I dance with my daughter just absolutely did me in that God would do that yeah notice no biblical text here just this this ecstatic experience that she had while soaking and she's telling this and this is the theology the theology is coming from the experience don't you know you see somebody could have told me that the father really loved me that the Father really cared for me, that the Father wanted to be with me. But you see, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I realized that my heavenly daddy really loved me. He got off the throne and walked to however far it was to dance with his daughter. And so that is the intimacy, that is the experience aspect of becoming close to Jesus, to spending time with him. 
the Holy Spirit likes us when we become like children. Matthew 18, 3 and 4. Unless you become like a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles... Yeah, um, scripture does not teach there that soaking is the way in which we become like little children. This is nonsense, mystical nonsense. Himself like this little child, wow, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, the price, ooh, sorry, I'm just mm, buzzing again. Ah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love your presence. And the price for soaking is vulnerability and humility. You see... Yeah, that's right. See, if you'll soak, then you can be vulnerable and humble and, you know, and turn your brain off and stuff. And that's how you become childlike. No biblical text says this or means this. want to be vulnerable when we lie down. We want what you have, but we don't want to do what you do. Right? The the mind says it's foolishness. But I guarantee you, if you make a habit, a lifestyle of soaking, your ministry will increase your relationship. How can you make such a guarantee? No biblical text promises that either. You're making promises for God that not only did he not make, but regarding a practice that was so important that it's not even mentioned once in the scriptures. Ships will increase, your anointing will increase, miracle signs and wonders will increase, everything will increase. Everything that you've been trying, trying, trying will increase when you spend some time soaking with him wow now does soaking mean that you're not going to accomplish anything people will say to you oh for heaven's sakes don't tell me you're still lying on the floor in Toronto yes we are and we need to do more of it because we have listened to the busy and we need to get back to the basics. But fruitfulness comes from intimacy. As we become intimate with him, fruitfulness comes. A man in England gave me this and why I have it in this is it is soaked in oil. He gave me this and he said, Carol, this is for you. Intimacy. The next move of my spirit will be burst out of intimacy. And intimacy can only be found in that secret place where you and I can be as one. 
Out of this intimacy will come the release of life, power, and fire to enable you. Yeah, I don't know where this prophecy comes from, but I know where it doesn't come from. Scripture. To see and feel my glory start to cover the earth. You must find that place, that secret place, that relationship with me. Find that place. Now, when Terry would walk into a room, you would smell very strongly English roses. Very strongly. And for years, like I kept this, I've always kept it in my Bible. But you'd open it up and you would smell the English roses. The day Terry died and went to be with Jesus, it no longer smells. The oil is still there, it is still oily. But the fragrance of his relationship with Jesus went to heaven with him. And so we need need to have our own fragrance of his presence in our lives. So start working on making your own fragrance, whatever that means. Sarah Edwards, wife of Jonathan Edwards of the Great Awakening, 1740, summed it up so well she didn't call it soaking but that's in fact what it was she had a famous statement that said I am overwhelmed by his nearness to me and my dearness to him isn't that precious No. This is my prayer for you today. That you will be overwhelmed by his... No repentance, no forgiveness of sins, no working through a biblical text and what it really means. Totally making stuff up for a practice that isn't even taught in Scripture. Even saying that you're obeying God by doing so. This woman is literally out of her mind. Let me fast forward literally just a couple of minutes as she rescues Mr. Sponge from his bath that, you know, so that, you know, that she had put the Holy Spirit right there in the water, don't you know? And uh, we'll finish up from there. Here we go. So, Mr. Sponge, how are you doing? Oh, my gracious. Yeah, if you want to see this, you'll have to wait for the dumpster fire. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the sponge now looks loopy. He's got his tongue hanging out of his mouth with a big old smile on his face, kind of looking like he's drunk or something. Really looking happy. My word, you are sloshy wet, you are soft, and you look slightly drunk, Mr. Sponge. Yeah, so that's what happens to you if you soak. You'll be just like Mr. Sponge. 
says no biblical text anywhere. Oh, wow. Whoops. Better watch it. Whoa, he is saturated. Indeed. Yeah, saturated, soaky sponge guy. With the presence of God. No, he's not. That's the weird part. <laughs> ah, Mr. Sponge is anointed. <laughs> no, he's not. Ah, do you want to become saturated by the presence of God? He can do it for a hard old sponge. How much more can he do it for you? Right. I mean, it makes total sense there, you know, because God can make a hard sponge soft so he can do the same if you would just soak like a sponge. This is just a travesty. The, the, the people who showed up for church haven't learned even anything. I mean, like nothing at all actually related to biblical Christianity and what... Christ would have pastors preach and teach in his church. <sighs> yeah, I think you get the point. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.